Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to podcast a Bible class every Wednesday evening, posted at 6.30 on the internet, for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, also for those who are listening in another area around the country or literally around the world. And we know that people are listening all over the place, and we're so thankful for that. We're thankful to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person, study with us, worship God with us, grow spiritually with us, get to know us, let us get to know you. We want to We're not after people's wallets. We just want to help people get to heaven, as many people as we can. So if you're in the Omaha area, we do hope you'll come and start to study with us and worship God with us and grow spiritually with us in person. But now if you're listening from another area, or if you're in the Omaha area and you're not able to get out and be with us, then we encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, but you undoubtedly know people in your life who need to become more serious about their faith in God and in Christ. Perhaps they just need to turn their lives around altogether. Help them by sharing these studies with them. You can do that again through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, but share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. What a great blessing it would be if you're doing that could help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. But it would also be a great blessing for you. Now, also encourage everyone you know to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, again, that's free. It always will be free. As I said before, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when someone signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, phone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, uh, Wednesday night Bible classes, Sunday morning Bible classes, all of our sermons, and also our daily Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures. And what I think is really a gem, a Monday through, I'm sorry, a Monday through Sunday, seven day a week, short Bible study that we call today's Bible class. Now, it's only about 13 minutes or so long every day, but that short period of time gets us into God's Word. And so that helps us to stay strong in our faith and even grow in our faith, since faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So tell everybody you can to take advantage of our website, churchofchrist.com. And while they're there, they can download and listen to, and there are a great many of our sermons now that are on video format as well as audio. They can listen to all of those. They can watch all of those on audio format. They can also download and study through hundreds of articles that are scripturally based and spiritually focused. Again, it's all free, always will be free. If you're in the Omaha area, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street. Bible classes every Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30, and then Sunday evening worship at 6 o'clock and midweek Bible classes at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. We hope to see you.
If you can be with us, we hope to see you soon. We're going to get back into our study of 1 John. We have studied all the way through First and Second Peter, before that James, and before that we looked at some other books in the New Testament from the Apostle Paul. We've studied through those as well. We've covered a lot of ground. We really have. And on Sunday mornings, in our Sunday morning Bible class that we podcast, we've gone all the way from Genesis chapter 1 through nearly the end of the book of Numbers, and probably about to get into Deuteronomy pretty soon. So we've covered a lot of ground in that particular Bible class as well. Now in 1 John, we noted over and over again how rich the teachings that are communicated to us that are communicated to us in God's word in the letters of James and also 1st and 2nd Peter how rich those particular short books of the Bible really are in what they teach what they get across to the individual Christian well John his first letter these five chapters again a short part of God's word but again very rich very rich writing to the individual Christian again, primarily, I think we could understand. But of course, what is the church? The church is, it's the people, not the steeple. A lot of people, they refer to a church building as my church or our church, or why don't you come to my church? Well, that's not, the building is not the church. That's a building wherein the church meets to worship God, study his word, to be together in Christian fellowship, and so on. You see, we, we get it mixed up in our heads. The building is simply a facility. The church is the people who make up the, that body, that, that congregation, that church. If they're truly following God, if they're truly in Christ, then they are the body of Christ that comes together in that facility, which is a building, and that's the church building. But the church is the people that meet within that building or that facility. Well, John might be referred to, probably has been referred to kind of as the gospel of love, or the, the apostle of love. He was one of the original 12 apostles, uh, divinely appointed by our Lord, uh, while he was here in his in his earthly ministry. And he was one of that inner circle of Peter, James, and John who seemed to be closer to Jesus, perhaps, or maybe have a closer relationship with him than the rest of the apostles. Now, that just kind of speculation, but it seemed like Peter, James, and John would would be a little bit, you know, not just physically closer with Jesus when he would go places, like the Mount of Transfiguration, um, and and also Jesus led them in a little farther into the Garden of Gethsemane and the night of his betrayal. But they seemed to maybe have a little bit closer personal relationship with him, where maybe he spoke to them, at least highlighted in Scripture, a little bit more than he did to the other apostles. But again, that's speculation. Uh, just seems to be from what you can read about the relationships within the text of the scriptures. But John, he, when, when you look in 1 John, it's pretty much filled with teachings about how we ought to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that love is based upon God's love for us, and Christ's love for us, and our love for God and our love for Christ. And John, uh, pretty repeatedly, he couples 
our love for God with our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, let me encourage you to understand he's not talking about everybody who says, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. He's talking about our true brothers and sisters in Christ, true Christians who have come to God through Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and God's Son in repentance and confessing their faith in Christ and being baptized into him for the remission of their sins. It is at that point that the blood that is shed on the cross cleanses them of the guilt of their sins, and they're reborn spiritually. They're made new. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, and 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5 and, and, and verse 17. Well, we need to understand that. need to understand that. And, and, and so it's not just everybody who calls themselves a Christian, but it's those who, who truly have become uh, have, have entered into Christ in the ways that he has laid out. I said 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16. If we're in Christ, we have, been, we have become a new creation. Now, we went through the first four verses of 1 John chapter 1 last time. I'll just read those again briefly to kind of set the continuity. And we noted some parallel between what John writes here in these first few verses, and going back to the gospel account according to John, the first few verses there in chapter 1. So that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now, the word of life, the word there being, high, being highlighted by being in caps, referring to Christ. Now, again, Paul, John says, we, and I think he's under, he, we understand that he's talking about the apostles, we have heard him. We have heard which we have seen and our, with our eyes and which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. They were saying, John was saying, we, and I think we're to understand the apostles as a whole, but we could also understand this in, in you know, kind of a a, a, a literary we that he might be referring to himself here, but he's saying, I was there. I was an eyewitness with Jesus. I saw him myself with my own two eyes. I looked upon him. I heard him speak through my own two ears. I was in his presence as he taught, and I, I, I've actually touched him. And, and so it, this is not secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand, fifthhand witness here. John was an eyewitness of Jesus being here as the Savior on the earth. And so what he's writing about Jesus, he's writing with authority, firsthand eyewitness. He goes on in verse 2, and he says, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was, from, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Again, he says, we were there with Jesus. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John really repeatedly in these first three verses says, you know, let me tell you, what I'm about to write to you, what I'm communicating right now, I'm speaking as an eyewitness, firsthand, on the scene, myself, and not just for a moment or two, I was with Jesus through his public ministry on this earth. 
And then verse 4, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So he's saying you can have confidence in everything that I'm writing to you in this particular letter because I was there with Jesus. So you can read this with authority, you can read this with certainty, and have absolute confidence and faith in what I'm communicating to you. Of course, this is God's word, ultimately, and he is using John to write his word down. Going back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. More literally in the Greek, it is God-breathed. It is God's very word. So we pick up with verse 5 today. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. Interesting. God is light. How can we understand that? Well, one perspective would be that God is so glorious that his very appearance is radiant. When we read the description briefly in Revelation chapter 21 of the city of heaven itself, in verses 22 and 23, we read this, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. Just God's presence, God the Father and God the Son, the glory of their presence illuminates the city of heaven. There's no need for street lamps. <laughs> There's no need for the sun or the moon to shine and bring their lights upon the city of heaven. God's presence is its light. The Lord's presence is its light. How glorious, how glorious that understanding is. But now, what else can we understand from that statement, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all? Light there. We, we understand to also personify not just his glory, but the glory because of his goodness, of his righteousness. God is totally righteous, absolutely good. There is no sin in God, no unrighteousness, no wickedness, no evil. He is goodness, righteousness, godliness personified. There is nothing that would counter or that would contradict righteousness about God. He is totally good. And so light there would, would indicate that he is absolutely righteous. There's not even a, a, a hint, not even a, a, a tinge of anything bad, evil, wicked, sinful, ungodly in him. God is totally light, totally righteous. In him is no darkness at all, John says. He goes on in verse 6 and he says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now we might also think here about what Jesus said that we should be as followers of him, as Christians, ultimately. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, now in verse 13, he said, 
We're supposed to be the, the, the uh, you know, the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be a good seasoning influence from a spiritual perspective among the people that we're around because we're living in godliness. We're living in Christ. We're striving to be righteous in our lives. We're striving to be Christians. But then in verse 16, or verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 14, he goes on and he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So what is he saying there? We ought to personify the glory of God. Now remember, God, Christ, just their presence in heaven. They are so glorious that they light up the whole city itself. No need for any outside lighting, no need for any artificial lighting, just their presence is is so glorious that it lights up the city. Well, Jesus says here in Matthew chapter uh, 5 and verses 14 and 15 that we are supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to let the world all around us, all of humanity, among whom we might live or be present at any moment in time, see God and see Christ, see their glory in us, see their righteousness in the way that we live. And then in verse 16, he says, Jesus says, let your light so shine, your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So not to our glory should we be those shining lights, But we ought to live the Christian life and be the influence of Christ, of God, of Christianity, of righteousness, of godliness through the way that we live our lives on a natural basis that ought to be our lifestyle. And people ought to be able to see that light, that spiritual light in us that reflects godliness that reflects Christianity, that reflects the Father and the Son, and even the Holy Spirit. So if we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, but we walk in darkness, we walk in sinfulness, our lifestyle, our lifestyle represents or just speaks ungodliness, wickedness, sinfulness, unrighteousness, John says, we lie and we do not practice the truth. You see, people all the time talk about how much they believe in God, they believe in Christ, how much they love God, how much they love the Lord. They may even, you know, pound their fist on their chest and say, oh, I just have such deep faith. I just love God so much. I love Jesus so much. But they live a life that is the opposite of indicating such love. They live wicked lives. They live sinful lives. They curse and use profanity and even use God's name and the Lord's name in in vain in vulgar ways, profane ways, on a regular basis. They seldom attend a church service anywhere, if ever. They hardly ever, if ever, open up their Bibles, and they rarely pray, Maybe on occasion when something bad happens in their life, then they may turn to God in prayer. But, but other than that, prayer is probably not much of a thought in their head. They live in lifestyles that are obviously sinful, obviously wicked, 
but they claim that they believe in God. They claim that they love the Lord. Well, words are cheap, but action, lifestyle, really tells the tale. That's where the rubber meets the road. And so if we say we have fellowship with him, that we're walking with God, that we're walking with Jesus, but we're living in sinfulness all the time, that's our lifestyle, that's our character, John says, we're liars, and we do not, we do not uh, practice the truth. We can say one thing, but we're doing something else. And people need to come to understand that. Let me drop down by way of reference here to the ch- second chapter of John and begin reading with verse 3 and down through verse 6. And here John goes on. He goes into some more detail here. He says, now by this, by this we know that we we know that we know him. Now, what, what does it mean? We know that we know God, or we know that we know Jesus. We know about them through the word. But what is he meaning here by we know them? He's saying we have a relationship with them. As Christians, we have become Christians. We're walking with them. By this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, you see, there's the key. Again, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the lifestyle, the actions, the behavior tells the true tale. If we keep his commandments, that demonstrates that we are truly walking with God and with Christ. In verse 4, he goes on in chapter 2, and he says, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's the second time John has made that statement. Back in chapter 1 and and verse 6, if we walk in darkness while we say we have fellowship with God, John says we lie and do not practice the truth. Here in in verse 4 of chapter 2, he who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You see, John's not mincing words here. He's telling it like it is, very straightforward, very direct, very (laughs) down-to-earth, difficult to not understand clearly. In verse 5, he goes on and says, but whoever keeps his word, now we're in chapter 2 again, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. What did Jesus say in John chapter 4 and verse 15? Very short, very succinct. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's basically what John is reiterating here. Whoever keeps his word, that is, lives by his teachings, obeys his commandments. Going back to verse 4, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And then we can understand by this we know that we are in him because we are living by his teachings. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Jesus is our ultimate example as to Christian living, as to godliness, a godly lifestyle. If we say that we're really walking with Jesus in our life, then we ought to be living like him, basically, and that is living a godly life. We ought to be living by the teachings of God, following his commandments. And there's where a lot of people, they go off the path. They say one thing, 
they're living something else that is contradictory to what they're saying. So we need to understand that. We come back to verse 7 of chapter 1. But if we walk in the light, the light of God's word, the light of godliness, the light of righteousness, the light of faithfulness, true faithfulness to God, the light of living by his teachings, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and of course that would mean living faithful, righteous, godly lives, He says, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 5, we read this from the prophet. Isaiah 2 and verse 5, again, very simple, direct statement. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord by his teachings, in fellowship with him. It's the best life that a human being can live. Best life. And God sent his son as the savior into this world so that all humanity could have the opportunity to live that best life that a human being can live. A life in Christ. In Christ. A life walking with God. We're going to stop here. We'll pick up with verse 7 again next time and move on. But what a great teaching from the Apostle John, really from God through the Apostle John. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us so much that you have sent your son into this world as the ultimate sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins as he died on that cross and had his blood shed. And in doing so, proved himself to be the Savior, as he not just died on that cross and was buried in the tomb, but arose from that grave, victorious over death. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. And help us to drink in your word and make it a part of our very being so that it guides our lives in faithfulness and dedication to you in righteousness before you, and help the world around us see that light of Christianity, that light of your righteousness shining forth through our lives, Father. Help us in this, Father. Please, we pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.